And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by Tim Cato and Mike Workinoff. We have Dave DeBoer producing. And we're going to talk about All-Star Weekend. That was, I feel like it's getting progressively messier and people are more annoyed with it. And so, Vork, you were there. Cato, you were watching at home somewhere, I assume with a beer in your hand. So, Vork, I want to get your impressions first. What did you think of All-Star Weekend as far as the product and also everything around it? Well, I got to say, uh, Steph versus Sabrina was awesome. And that is what I will say about NBA All-Star Weekend. Actually, no, three-point concepts. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I, I think it's a product that has become less interesting uh, because of both how uh, uninteresting the NBA game itself is. The dunk contest has fallen. Again, uh, it's back in its kind of fallow period. Feel like the dunk contest goes through this every 10 years or so. And so, you know, I think the novelty of the Steph versus Sabrina competition was really what made it so cool. And it's really why everyone was talking about that primarily, because that was the only new thing uh, to an event that has been um, pretty stagnant, I would say, over the last few years. But Indy was cold. The snow was nice the first day. Stunk after that. Ubers were hard to get. That's my general review. How often did you go to St. Elmo's? Only once, but I wait. I went to make sure I got in on Friday, but heady play. I went for lunch because there's absolutely no chance in hell I would get in on dinner. Mm. My thing is always I go to the bar at Harry and Izzy's at like 3 p.m. and usually you can just walk right up. And for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about, which I assume is almost everybody, Indiana, Indianapolis doesn't have a ton of iconic restaurants. The one is St. Elmo's Steakhouse, and then they have Harry and Izzy's attached to it, which is, I think, the same kitchen. And their shrimp cocktail there is out of this world, and the cocktail sauce is basically pure horseradish and will literally Delicious. clean out your sinuses, and you will not be able to think straight for a few minutes, but it is incredible. Yeah. I went, I went one I, time. Yeah. Not this uh, weekend, Jared, but I, mean, I, I have been, and it is it does live up to everything that Jared said about it. Yeah, and I got to say, I think that if the game was as spicy as the cocktail sauce, everyone would be talking about the game. <laughs> Instead, it was like the complete opposite, right? Um, I do want to ask... The game was like and, mayonnaise on top of a shrimp. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, like, how did the court look, Tim, from the TV perspective? Because I'm kind of curious what it was as a TV product. Because the court for All-Star Saturday Night was like this new uh, effervescent dynamic court that they could change and make it look like whatever. Uh, and from the arena, it just looked like a big blob of green. But I'm also not the target audience for this. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it impacted the def- the the defense. Uh, it, like from my v- viewing point, it was, um, you know, the, the guys couldn't focus in. They couldn't lock in. They wanted to play defense. Adam Silver told them <laughs> they're going to play defense and they wanted to. And they were excited they- to. Yeah, they, they were so – this was going to be, you know, like an 80-88 slugfest up until the court just ruined – it completely distracted them. 
I, I did think it was a little distracting. You know, it's it just like why why do we need why do we need it to be LED? It's a basketball court. I I for me personally, I didn't feel like it added anything to a game that was already pretty blah. And I think LED was for Saturday night, right? But it mm-hmm. the game was so bad on Sunday. Honestly, I, I could I couldn't even tell what they were playing on. They could have they could have been on like a Mario Kart uh, projection for all I could tell. I wouldn't have noticed because it was I couldn't watch it. But Saturday, so Saturday was interesting because I got there early, walked on the court, and in real life, it actually wasn't that obvious that it was a screen. It, like they, I thought they did a decent job of making the lighting kind of like natural at the, I guess at the right brightness enough that it wasn't very obvious. And every once in a while, you see like something swirl on the sideline. You're like, oh, okay, you are, you are on something. And then what's interesting is when you get to the actual events that night, so much of what they showed on the broadcast didn't show up in actual like real life, especially in the dunk contest where there was all these like huge animations and images of people and stuff like that. And I don't remember seeing any of that in real life unless I somehow missed it, but like I'm pretty sure I would have noticed a giant image of Dominique Wilkins on the court. And so it was interesting to see the disparity between how people in actual, like that were actually in the arena or stadium, I guess, took it versus people at home. It seems like it was much more for the show at home than it was for people in the arena, Mike. And that makes sense. And I mean, I, I think I've come to the point where I realize I'm not the target demographic for a lot of these things, whether <laughs> because I'm not watching from home, whether because I'm not the age demo that they're hoping to sell ads to. And so I'm I'm more so curious about the attempts at innovation than I am either appreciative or disdainful of them. Vork, can I ask a question that is maybe dumb, but why why does the All-Star game have to be good? Why in this era where we're so focused on rest and we're so focused on health, why Uh, is is, are we willing to just say like this era of basketball does not lend itself to stars, you know, you know, playing seriously and playing competitively and, you know, like what is why, why does the NBA feel like? It has to be because for me, I'm fine with what the weekend is. There does need to be a horse contest. We can talk about that at some later point. It's crazy. There's no horse contest. There um, was once in a time. There was bring that one back. That is what I'm interested in. That's like the type of, you know, no harm fun. But, but why, why does the NBA care about this? Like what, what is, what is the thing that, you know, they think is going to happen if, if they had a competitive all-star game and, and, you know, what, what would that bring to the league? Well, for me, good is subjective, right? Like, I think if you're on NBA Twitter or if you're following a bunch of NBA reporters, good is correlated with, like, competitive, close game where people are trying hard on defense. Uh, people are, you know, it's it's somehow, somehow mirrors nearly a real NBA game. To me, good just means, like, interesting, entertaining, right? And I don't know if like 211 to 186 where there is negative defense being played and it's just like basically uh, every each each team trying to see how many points they can score in the 48-minute period is good. Uh, to me, like the way I look at it, we had this we had this thing that we went, we ran at The Athletic Tuesday morning about how to fix uh, the NBA All-Star game, right? My question was, why does it need to be saved at all? To your point almost. You know, it's like, it's a marketing roadshow for the NBA, right? If the All-Star game is not going to be interesting anymore and interesting in the, like, this is cool to watch, this is interesting to watch, not this is a competitive basketball game for basketball fans. 
then just replace it with something else. It's a marketing roadshow that the NBA takes from city to city every year. It's a two to three hour block of ads um, that, you know, Turner this year, whoever in the future needs to fill up and use as a base, right, for its, you know, content strategy for Sunday night, for Saturday night, for Friday night. And so just come up with new things that can make it more interesting than the game can. So to your point, it just needs to be interesting more so than it does good. Like, I don't know if we need a good game. Uh, we just need something that captures people's attention. And maybe the game itself, as the vehicle to do that, has just kind of passed by. And, and maybe we just try Steph versus Sabrina, or I guess Sabrina and Caitlin Clark versus Steph and Clay next next year as the main event and try something else the year after that. And we just keep trying new things and innovating till we just get stuff that people like. And uh, the game goes the way of the past. I don't know. Give it a try. So, okay, one thing I'll agree with you with is Steph versus Sabrina was phenomenal. And that was like an absolute home run event. And it was also concise. It didn't drag out forever. It was, I think it, it felt like it took 15 minutes from like start to finish. And that was, that was incredible. But the, you're, you're right. If we're being realistic, which I don't want to do, you're right about the all-star game, but I think it's important we hold on to the all-star game and the ideal of what it can be and try to find ways just because the point of the all-star game is it's this crazy fantasy where you get to see all the best players as teammates and they're supposed to play together and you get to see what does a game look like when all these incredible players are playing on the same court um, and their teammates and stuff. And we saw what that could be with the Elam ending a few years ago. And that game was insane. And we we're like, this is the one that, that was one of the coolest things I've ever can re remember seeing being around the NBA. And it was the only time I can remember off the top of my head where it was like a really serious game since I started covering the league. Uh, they probably... I think when they went away from everyone wearing their own jerseys and started doing the East-West jerseys, that was kind of a harbinger of, like, this is going to lose its actual value. But I feel like there are still some ways that they can maybe change segments of the game. Instead of just running it as, like, a straight 48-minute game, they can find ways to restructure it so that it's, like, segments of games where people want to actually compete. And my my big pitch to everybody, I don't, I don't think it'll ever happen for ethical and legal reasons, is let players bet on the game. Give them like one game because it's an exhibition. Be like, hey, legally, you're allowed to bet on this game. And that way the players can put as much of their own money down as they want to incentivize themselves. And then I think we're going to see a dramatically different game work. I just, even even when it was competitive, even when there was a little bit, hap you know, like, like they were trying more. You talked about the Elam ending one. I don't know. It didn't move me. There's no stakes to that game. Uh, I, I don't think that a game without stakes is ever going to capture my interest in a way that competitive basketball does but i but also didn't they don't play believe... like there were stakes didn't it look like they were playing that way well, maybe didn't end it I... with like a 48 footer yeah that that was that one but <laughs> i mean what was the what was the final I'll score with that you know, I, they, i'm just saying what, i they, i disagree they to play I... defense for like five minutes i disagree with all we're gonna all we're gonna remember is the five minutes at the end so that's all that matters really i don't think the all-star game is is interesting or cool or people like it because it's an opportunity to all the game of the sports best players play against one another. I think the NBA all-star game is an opportunity to see all the bet of the league's best players when you otherwise, otherwise might not have. Right. And for decades, this was true. You literally would not have a chance to see like half the league, more than half the league, maybe right. Whether on TV or in person. And now we're in an age of just limitless opportunity to watch all of your favorite basketball players whenever you want however you want, whether you want to see them in a game, on Twitter, on Instagram, doing whatever the heck they want to do. In like Spider-Man movie. Capacity. 
Spider-Man movie. LeBron was in 15 movies. Space Jam. You can watch him play aliens. You can play humans, like whatever you want. We get that now. And so if the main purpose of the NBA All-Star Game is not only gone, but completely washed away, then what's the point to keeping it around if it's not an interesting product, right? If the original intent was to allow fans a new way to see the best players, period, or see them or, or fans to see something they had not or could not see before, then let's, you know, the NBA should find a way to do that again within the limitations and the boundaries that they have within the current media ecosystem. Speaking of the current media ecosystem, the TV deal, it's coming up soon. And we've got somebody who really knows that stuff like the back of his hand. Is that a, is that a metaphor? It sounds like a metaphor. Uh, Mike Vorkanov, you probably know this scenario as well as anybody out there. And one thing that seemed interesting coming into the weekend was the bundle that's reportedly happening with Hulu and Disney. And it's kind of you know monopolizing a little bit of the bidders out there that could be going for this. And also that it didn't seem like all the potential bidders that could be up for the new media deal were making themselves known at All-Star Weekend. So what did you see there? Yeah, everyone's kind of interested to see where the next media deal is going to end up. Um, the NBA is in a bit of a stasis because of it. You know, Adam Silver said in one of his 15 million um, interviews that he did that like they're even holding off on tweaks to the in-season tournament until they talk to media partners about what they want and what they think works best before they make and announce those tweaks. I wonder if we'll see similar things to NBA All-Star Weekend for those same reasons. It's so much of the NBA uh, currently is centered around the next media deal and how they can you know, work with their next partners to make it a captivating product. The, the, the league can enter into uh, negotiations with its current TV partners, Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney starting March 9th. So that's really going to start to heat up very, very soon. And we're probably going to be watching the league in a totally different way, starting with the 25-26 season. You know, we have TNT and we have ESPN right now, and we might get Amazon, we might get NBC, Peacock, uh, you know, ESPN Plus or ESPN Flagship, the next uh, over-the-top direct-to-consumer app they're going to launch. Everyone was talking about the Fox, Disney, uh, Warner Brothers combined sports streamer that's coming out, and everyone's reaction mainly seems to be, uh, what is it? How is it going to work? We don't know anything yet. Can someone fill in the details? Um, but I, I think the media rights deal was kind of hanging you know, over the NBA over the weekend to a large degree because it could be um, this very large economic inflection point for the league. Because uh, if, if they nail it, there's going to be a ton of money going into the NBA for the next half decade to 10 years. If it comes up way short of expectations, you might have some problems and there's even opt-outs written into the CBA based on uh, if the, if the next media rights deal comes in very low. So like this really will determine the league's future. Maybe it's labor future uh, for years to come based on where it goes in. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Wait, there's Tim, there's you... opt-outs? Mm -hmm. Wait, that, that's interesting. I, I forget the exact... Yeah. Yeah. And this is like part of a future story, but like this really is like, you know, an existential thing for the league in so many ways because it needs to make sure that it gets media rights deal correctly. And I mean, this is Adam Silver's top job, right? There is no moving on to expansion probably if you don't nail the deal correctly. Like so many things weigh on this and so many of the valuations that we've seen for the league just explode over the last few years have been baked in uh, with the next media rights deal. And so, you know, the league, uh, you know, will try to get this right and try to get a big number. Tim, do you, like, does this media rights, like, or the, I guess the whole NBA economy talk, does that, does that interest you? Because I'm always curious, like, there's a lot of people that are just fascinated by the subject, and I've always been, like, trying to understand why does the subject matter so much? I'm curious how you feel. No, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it money talks, and, and, you know, that's, that's the, the entire thing, you know, it, it's, I find it, I find it interesting, um, you know, it, it's, let me, let me, I'm, I'm trying to organize my, my, my thoughts. Um, yeah, this is, you know, this is a league that makes money and, uh, you know, they have these ideas that, you know, the salary cap always has to be going up and they have, you know, these ideas that, you know, the, the, the revenue coming into the league is, uh, you know, ever churning forward and, you know, it, it all comes down to this and, uh, you know, we, you know, like I cover the, the Dallas Mavericks mostly and Mark Cuban, at least public facing, he says, that's the reason he sold, you know, I think, you know, there may be more to it, but his whole thing is like the, with the media rights, with the way that they're going, we're going to have a, to have another revenue source. And so he's selling to someone you know, to a family, a, you know, a casino, uh, family. And, and that's the whole concept that's of, the revenue of you know, you know, this is where the revenue is going to be coming because, you know, there's just no way that these streaming services can make up, uh, you know, what the traditional streaming or the traditional TV rights used to be. Um, I, I assume that's true. Um, you know, like, like if, if you were talking at fork, if you were talking to Mark Cuban, and, you know, like, like, is, does he have a valid idea about, you know, for sure, this is the way it's going is, is, you know, is gambling where everything is going? Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm curious about, even as I've kind of started looking into it. Um, you know, it's just like, it, it, Mark Cuban is sometimes very wrong. 10 years ago, he said the NFL would be a failed product and, and, you know, would, you know, completely out of existence. Um, but I, he, he's obviously has some point about the way the future is going. I just don't know how much of one. You know, I, one of the things I want to ask Mark Cuban, maybe, maybe I should at some point do my job, uh, is, is kind of the logic behind his Armageddon view of local rights, uh, which is one of the reasons he cited in, in selling the Mavericks, right? Is that the local media rights are going to dry up because we've got um, <clears throat> RSN hell coming up upon us. But to me... You know, the loss in RSN media rights for any one team is probably dozens of millions of dollars, you know, somewhere between 50 to 100 million dollars a year, while the next media rights deal nationally is going to like double to say maybe five to six billion dollars annually. Right. And you split that among 30 teams. The net gain of, of that is much bigger than the net law and, you know, than the loss of the RSN deal. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm, you know, I'm a little curious about that logic. And to me, gambling is a big part of the future. Like the NBA is obviously leaning into it. You know, at one point we could see just the ability to gamble while you're in your league pass app, just gamble straight in there. 
uh, while you're watching the League Pass, if the League Pass works for you. Um, but while it's streaming, you, when you're watching the, the Mavericks against the Thunder, you can bet on you know whatever you want to bet on, next rebound, next points, whatever. So that's something that the league is leaning into. That's something that teams are leaning into. It's part of their revenue stream, right? It's it's coming up <clears throat> more and more every season. And it's definitely something that's important to them and it's something that's going to drive, um, you know, I think, drive the business forward. We should be able to be gamble clear. on podcasts. <laughs> like, who's like, going to be the next talk, person? Yeah, yeah who's wrong. the host yeah. who's going to be? <laughs> well, uh, you, it, you know what's funny, Mark? I feel like with the Lead Pass app, the game will not like the stream won't work and the betting function will work crystal clear no problem whatsoever <laughs> that the I, lag I time talking. will be negative <laughs> i i was oh, talking God. to someone over the weekend uh about this and they may or may not work for one of these betting companies i said to them uh you know if you guys do pull that off um <laughs> you, we all we may be able they to see is the, just the odds uh, but we will not be able, we'll be betting blind because we may not be able to see the game. It, it does kind of speak to how the NBA increasingly is becoming, you know, keeping up with the Kardashian for guys. Like, it, it doesn't matter that the actual way that you watch the game is sometimes laggy and still not perfected um, because so much of the way that the audience consumes the NBA is uh, consuming the narratives and the, and the storylines mm-hmm. and the plot, um, much less than the actual game itself. And you know, I, I feel like, you know, the actual thing that would fix the NBA, it's not the in-season tournament. It's not any of the stuff. You, you got to shorten the season. You've got to shorten the season, add the expansion teams, add four teams, bring it down to 72 games. I would go lower, but I think 72 maybe, you know, that way you actually get more juice and more time between games, less double, you know, back-to-backs. But uh, in lieu of that, uh, and, and because the product that's actually going out there on the court is often, you know, hampered by, you know, travel and, and quick turnarounds and all of this stuff. Uh, you know, what the NBA is really marketing is, um, you know, what's happening around it and, and who could go where and, you know, the, the silly little beefs that are happening and, and the war of words. And, you know, in that sense, gambling does add something because all of a sudden it does somewhat bring the focus back onto what's happening on the court uh, which is probably a, a net good, you know, for the long term. Um, there's other downsides to gambling, but I think I think I that think is any, one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> He's going to cut himself off before he says Donaghy. Um, uh, you know, I've enjoyed the season of keeping up with the Bogdanovich. It's been fun. The thing that's interesting about the direction of the league, and I think it also ties into the the TV deal, is the way people consume. So we went through this phase where I think viewership was dropping and it was more about stats and a lot of people just watched through stats and Reddit posts or whatever. And now it's picking up because like short videos have kind of taken over every pretty much everybody under I would guess 60 years old is consuming quick videos through Instagram reels and TikTok or watching YouTube. So highlights are kind of perfectly designed for modern media consumption nowadays. And then when you combine that with the increase in gambling and people that are really, they're not really interested in the nuance of the game. They're really, they're interested in the box score in a different manner. Now they, I feel like the highlight 
like the highlight package and not highlight real but like single highlights probably fits well with how people are looking to consume the game even more now so broadcasting a game just to be able to sit down and watch 48 minutes of a game doesn't seem to work doesn't seem to fit the mold of the various constituencies trying to watch which is why like doing the all-star game is a 48 minute game i don't think makes sense anymore you got to find different ways to break that up into segments or just find different ways for guys to play five on five that makes sense and broadcasting the game is just a straight 48 minute broadcast the way we do it while it's going to be the way i always prefer it i think it's there's a huge section of the fan base that doesn't even want it that way so gambling is so intertwined to the new tv rights deal just because i think it's bringing in a section uh probably a a larger you know swath of the fan base that's just in it for the statistical result and the gambling result that wants to consume in a different way and that's why i feel like social media companies or just tech companies getting into it probably want to show the game in a different manner than just the way it's done now yeah i'm curious to see if gambling raises the nba boat the way that it has for the NFL, right? Like the NFL has had this huge boom in ratings since gambling got legalized. And the NBA has seen ratings go up, but I don't know if it's necessarily to the degree that the NFL has. And also, you know, Nielsen changes changed how it measures its ratings. And so um, <clears throat> that's probably contributed to it. But I, I'm curious to see what the NBA will do, how much it will try to immerse it within the game itself. You know, if you have in-game betting, then maybe that's a reason to watch a full 48-minute game, right? Um Obviously, if like say an Amazon gets it, would they have something that goes further than just like a gambling broadcast, which we've seen already on, I think on NBA TV or some RSN stations have had kind of like their own kind of gambling altcasts, gambling themed altcasts. Um, and so, you know, I think there's still a lot of ways to go to try to merge the two, you know, as the infrastructure gets laid around the country, um, especially since it's not even legal in all in all the states where there are NBA teams. Wait, well, I just, can you... Can you... Can you explain to me real quick, how did Nielsen change the ratings? Because I've been wondering for like the last five years, how do they calculate ratings now that so many people don't watch the games live with the original broadcast or leak pass? Uh, they still do. I mean, they still do. And like, it's just a survey system that they use. But the big change over the last few years is that they now measure out of home viewing. So like if you're at a bar and watching there, or if there's a lot of people at someone's house during like a party and they're watching, they count for that now. And I think that accounts for like, 10% of the ratings, um, which is a sub- significant jump, right? Uh, over the, I think that's been in place since like 2021 or something like that. And so I, that's part of the reason why I think we've seen you know, jumps in ratings across the board for a lot of um, sports leagues and games because that's what people watch in groups, right, is games. Um, and so we see then the NFL and the NBA uh, benefit from that. Yeah, for me, the the you know, just going back to the game, what it matters, all that, you know, the lasting – thing that I'm going to remember from the all-star game was Luca and, you know, Jokic passing back and forth like five times in a row and, you know, gazing deeply into their eyes while, while they were doing it. And to me, that's all the all-star game needs to be. It needs to be a vehicle and a way Romance. for the players to have fun. And yes, also you should, uh, while they're passing back and forth, you should also be able to bet on how many times they're going to do that <laughs> before it ends in a layup. Uh, but that's all it needs to be for me, you know, like it, it's it's just let these guys have fun. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't need to see floor slapping defense. I just want to see some funny highlights from players who are not going to play together, um, you know, possibly ever. 
And I think that there's a question you can ask for anything in the world, in this world, that things get worse or do we get older? Like, are we just older and it's not <laughs> new anymore and we're smarter? We just realize that it sucked the whole time. I'm pretty sure the All-Star game used to be better, but uh, I, I mean, another thing is just like the All-Star game, a lot of players used to need that to become famous and become brands. And it's like now, you know, the the 58th pick in the draft already has 100,000 followers on Instagram. It already has endorsement deals and stuff. It's like you don't need you don't need to become an All-Star necessarily to really have a glow up. So I think it's show- we've spent a lot of time talking about this. I think I think Vork solved it in like five seconds or at least explained it by when he said, uh, you know, you can watch these players at all times, anywhere yeah. from any device. You used not to be able to do that. And that to me is like that's the real difference between the all-star games of the nineties. Um, is that when they're known to be great? Was there, was there a, you know, a golden all-star game era? Um, you know, but that's the difference between what they used to be and what they are, you know, what we see now. Yeah. yeah. I, as, as our editor Dave says in the chat or anything with Michael Jordan, it's going to be interesting. And also maybe LeBron doing it for 20 years. It's like, is anyone like like oh my god i got to see lebron unless you've never seen the NBA before it's like we're used to lebron at this point we've taken him for granted at this point tim it's where it's there's not enough new blood or like elite elite player new blood to make it really interesting yeah jordan i mean jordan saw any competition as a competition as competitive mm-hmm. he invented his own stakes and lebron is not quite like that when it comes to stuff like this so then, Tim, what what was the thing that you were most interested in from All Star Weekend? Um, like just in general. Yeah, anything that you saw that was like, oh, this is something we're talking about on the Athletic NBA show. Uh, I want to go back to the idea that we don't have a horse competition. That's what I noticed. I noticed that there was no horse competition, and this hmm. is bullshit. Can we just get some players doing crazy shots? We saw a bunch of players make crazy shots throughout the course of the weekend when they had a ball in their hands. Let's have fun. It's it's supposed to be fun. And, you know, say what you will about the dunk contest. There are only so many dunks that exist in the world. I think we might have discovered them all. You know? It's, oh. it's There's not like an island of dunks out there that has yet to be tracked from the sky. Um, There's just taller players that jump over at this point. It's, yeah, and but, letting go of the ball in different ways, essentially. But but there are far more ways to put the basketball through the hole through the hoop, and that's why we need a horse contest. Exactly. Oh, and another thing is the game is like so much about three point shooting now, and we only have a creative uh, only have a creative competition for dunking, but we should have a creative competition for all the other stuff too, like yeah. different types of creative shots from deep, different lay like honestly a layup competition would also be really interesting as well. I guess you could do that in the dunk contest, technically, but like you could probably do some. You probably could invent more with being able to do layups. You don't have to throw it in, especially if you like throw it like you know fifty feet over your head, like circus shots, stuff like that. There are other ways to do these competitions, other parts of the game that they should be showing. Who was the Who was the dunk contest guy? Like he he was a uh, uh, he was participating in it, and he just shot a layup. Who was that again? I'm gonna Google this. It's gonna annoy was me. That the, anyway. Wasn't that the dunk? It wasn't that the Dwight Howard Superman dunk, where it was just a layup. He's supposed to make us believe. Oh, when he like dunk? threw it down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're able to throw it down, even though I prefer you touch Daryl Armstrong. But I, I yeah, think we should give Dwight credit for that dunk. Like he still threw it downwards. It's you know, it's it's a, a very impressive layup. I'll give him credit. The Superman thing was kind of overblown. Um, yeah. But yeah, and also. 
I don't think anyone gave credit to the skills competition. I thought that was fun. Like watching them running around trying to get, you know, game the point system when they're trying to pass it in. Uh, Scotty Barnes being so bad at half court shots, just turned around and threw it backwards. Like we got, I thought we got some fun stuff out of that, Mike. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it existed and it was not bad. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, exist. I mean, when Anthony Edwards just says outright, he's not here to try for the entire weekend, I think that kind of just mm-hmm. tells you about where things are right now. The, the thing that fascinated me was the, discussion about officiating like we've already gotten into the offense thing and you know adam silver kind of acknowledged like yeah offense a little too much especially after the all-star game he didn't really like set out to change it necessarily the thing that he actually i was surprised he really took a stance on was the relationship between the players and the officials um i asked him about it at his press conference um and i was interested because jason tatum who i cover he complains about the officials a lot too much He's gotten better at it this year, uh, but he got an ejection earlier this year, and it was a kind of a silly ejection because he was complaining to, I think, Billy Kennedy, and another official tossed him out while he was complaining. And I think everyone universally was like, you know, what the hell? Like, you've, uh, Another ref shouldn't step in to punish somebody for going at a different ref. Like, let that ref handle themselves. And we've definitely seen an uptick of this where, like, refs will call a tech while another ref is getting lambasted by a player and it's 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 like kind of ridiculous but there's we've seen so many players now complain about feeling not listened to or disrespected by the officials and that's what they're so frustrated about and so i asked adam silver or so i forget so tatum he was asked like what's the one thing you could change about the league and he said i would want to get my money back for a tech if it turns out the review show that i was right which is the most jason tatum answer ever and then I asked Adam Silver, like, what do you think of this idea that all these rules that you're calling respect for the game rules you've put in place for refs to not be yelled at, you can't even clap at a ref, you can't run away from a ref when you're upset. There's, like, so many things you can't do to, you know, allow your natural emotions to come out when you're frustrated about the situation. And he actually said he was sympathetic and that the league needs to do something. And he particularly mentioned Andrea Gudala, the new head of the MPPA, and saying that I'm really glad that we have a partner with the MPPA that we can talk to that obviously understands the situation really well. So uh, I'm curious if either one of you has a position on this, what you thought of the fact that just the fact that Adam Silver was like willing to admit that there's an issue with officiating that needs to be fixed and what you think they probably could do to actually improve the situation. I, I'm... I'm not surprised that he would admit that there's an issue. I don't know how you solve it. Like, I truly don't know. Things have been going the wrong way for so many years. And I I don't know how you fix it because it's not as if you can get wholesale personality changes on both sides, right? On both player and referee side, right? Um, And I don't know how you make them more compatible with one another and uh, kind of lower the tensions a little bit. Uh, unless the NBA puts some kind of rule or incentive in place for the referees to not throw in as many texts, basically. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it, it stems from the refs not getting all the calls right. And I think basketball has... You know, are we getting old or, you know, are things getting worse? Like, I think I think basketball has become harder to officiate based off the players in the league now than, you know, the the referee, like the referees just haven't stayed current with this. And I will say that's another way that gambling bleeds into this. I think that a lot of instant replay in sports comes from, you know, the idea of the money that is on you know, involved in every one of these games and gambling only amplifies that. I think that's where all this video review, you know, the ones that go on and drone on for two minutes at a time and we hate it. Um, I I think that's where it really stems from. Um, But, but I think at the end of the day, you know, like get some new basketball players who are worse and thus easier to officiate, you know, that's how it would fix this and nobody wants that. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a no-win situation, truly. Uh, just kind of based off the actual, you know, you know, stakes of of what's going on and what is leading to the texts that are happening. Yeah, and, and there's been a couple changes. Like, there's first, it's the official, like the actual officials themselves. We've seen a lot of the higher-profile officials retire lately. There's been a lot. There's been like a lot of new officials coming through. I think there was a, f- a couple of years ago. There was like a dramatic spike in low-experience officials. And so there's just been a lot of the getting to know each other, those officials probably standing their ground a little bit too much and getting a little too uh, trigger happy on all of the, um, you know, all the, all the stuff they were calling because they had to establish themselves. And so maybe we're kind of still going through that phase of all of those refs becoming veterans as well. But then there's also the freedom of movement changes they put in at the same time as these respect for the game changes basically made it that players are able to get downhill like offensive players can drive at high speed and create all these collisions and have all these little like you know contacts in the paint where they're frustrated because they're driving and they're getting hit a little bit and the refs kind of have to let it go because you can't you, you have to let them into the lane so it's kind of just the way the game has been played is just allowing for more of these kind of smaller fouls and tight areas that are hard to call. And so then we just get, you know, those players being so upset before go ahead. I think you have something more intelligent to say than me. No, I was going to say, can, can I make an admission to you guys? You know, that Please. line in Sopranos where like Tony's having dinner and he just says, remember when is the lowest form of conversation <laughs> to me when talking about the NBA, <laughs> talking about referees is the most boring form of conversation. 
I, I like, I care so little about it. Like, yeah, everyone's going to get calls wrong. Yeah. There will be disagreements between the players. Uh, but I don't know. Like there's so many more interesting parts about the game uh, that I care less that about these calls that very rarely decide games that have very small, that has a very small impact on the games that to me, like incessant referee talk is such an inside basketball type of conversation uh, yeah. that I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't pique my interest. All right. Then what do you want to talk about? It's why I think they should ban uh, reviews and all replay reviews. It's actually not a horrible idea. That's I've, I've been I've been on this. I've been pro just do away with instant replay for a long time. Let people the only reason it works in the NFL is they turn it into an event. <laughs> Ser- seriously, like and, and then like like somehow the NFL made replay reviews as interesting as like a play on the field. Maybe just because they have so few plays that, you know, anytime you're analyzing that that one is kind of semi interesting. It's not interesting to debate uh, uh. the nuances of a, you know, over and back or something like that. It's just, it doesn't have the same juice. I, I think the only way that we can save replay reviews is that you're allowed to gamble on them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's like the most obvious one to gamble on. It's happening. You hear the Jeopardy clock ticking. You're watching it. You're like, all right, I'm going to put down how it's going to shake out. Yeah. I mean, eventually, uh, let's just get to the point where we can gamble on literally anything. If we're going to be able to gamble, or uh, sorry, fans are going to be able to gamble, I don't gamble on the NBA, uh, then we'll just maximize everything. Maximize gambling on everything. Man. Uh, well, if, if if you bet the over-under on how long the show would be and you took over 40 minutes, congratulations. We're at 40-24, and it's time for us to wrap up. So, Tim, did you have anything you wanted to say before we got out of here? Nope, right, nope, nope. I got, no, I, I, got, I got bets to go make. All right, well... Tim, your neighborhood-friendly bookie, is Tim Cato. He covers the Dallas Mavericks for us. Mike Vorkanoff, he covers the National NBA, everything business, basketball-related. And he's a big fan of critiquing the refs, something I learned today. That was nice. I'm Jared Weiss. I cover the Celtics for The Athletic. Dave Dufour is our producer. We'll see you next time on The Athletic NBA Show.